Hello, everybody. Thank you for downloading episode 32 of We Got This with Mark and Hal. Hey, if you want to come see us in New York City on Sunday, October 11th, 8 p.m. at Le Poisson Rouge, go to NewYorkSuperWeek.com. It's got info about the show, and you can get tickets there. We've got special guest John Hodgman and a very cool special opening act, Carter Parton Rogers. Also, if you're enjoying the show, would you take a second and be a real deer and a lamb and a stand-up person for me and go to iTunes and leave a nice rating and review for us? We'd really appreciate it. And now, without any further ado, episode 32 of We Got This. Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Sandwich Smackdown. That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcast should have a theme song. Podcast should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. Hello, everybody. Hey, what's up, you guys? Uh, thanks for listening. Yes. <laughs> I like that you assume... That people are, are, I mean, of course they're listening because they downloaded the episode. Well, yeah, but, but I want to thank so them grateful. for it. I am. I am grateful. Uh, I'm grateful to you. I'm grateful to the people listening. I'm grateful that we have this little outlet uh, with which to discuss various really important issues in the world. Well, I appreciate your attitude of gratitude, Mark. Hey, man, that's how I roll. Attitude of gratitude. I like that. Can I put that on a bumper sticker? I don't have a car anymore. <laughs> not even you should get like a soapbox car Ooh, that's good are there enough hills in new york for you to do i that? think so yeah can i just climb into one of those just put a couple of skateboard wheels or wagon wheels on the bottom you know what screw it i'll just get a wagon and somebody can just push me down hills <laughs> the problem is going to be getting home i feel like a lot of people get around that way in brooklyn isn't that true yeah there's a lot of hipsters that just use radio flyers instead of priuses <laughs> I was in a wagon before it was cool. Ugh. Uh, All right. So today we are, we, we have, we've had, we've tried to record this episode like three times now. Uh, yes. We've had technical issues. And then one time we recorded a whole episode and we thought, you know what? That wasn't a very good episode. We're just going to do it again. Although to be fair, we each lost half of the conversation. Yes. But we changed the topic. <laughs> We did. Uh, and this topic was actually suggested by Catherine Myers. Hello, Catherine Myers. Thank you. Yes. Catherine Myers, your name has been mentioned three times on our podcast. Has it? That means, that means we're going to show up. We did it just now. It means we're going to show up like the candy man at your house. Oh, yeah. Don't go look, don't your turn your lights off and go look in a mirror because you will see me and Hal. You know, if you turn your lights off and look in a mirror though, you really can't see anything. Yeah. Except the candy man. Don't do it, Hal. What does the Candyman have glow sticks on him? I haven't seen the movie. Did you have you never been to the Candyman rave? No, I haven't. Oh man. <laughs> to be fair, at a rave, the Candyman is a different person. It's usually the person handing out Gatorade and Flintstone vitamins, which I am told is a smart drug combo. <laughs> um, really? Yeah. Turns They're out. They're not actually Flintstone vitamins, though. No, they really? are actual Flintstone vitamins. Wow. Yeah. I don't think it does anything. We are Flintstone kids, one million strong and tweaking. <laughs> yeah, I tried putting some Flintstone vitamins in a bong and lighting it up. Nothing happened. <laughs> but I had a lot of energy and my pee was glowing. Oh, man, that part was cool. 
My pee may have been glowing. I don't know. I was really high on Flintstone vitamins. Let's talk about sandwiches. Yeah, this is the, what she wanted to know, and this is the actual way it's phrased. What is the what is the name the pro, the proper name for a long cold sandwich? Okay, that's the question we are here to answer today. Yes. Um, does that mean cold cuts? That means that doesn't mean just any chilled sand because you could. I mean. You know, you could put a, a hot pastrami in the fridge for a while. It doesn't come out a a sub or a hoagie or a grinder or a hero. Yes. Or a um, baguette. Baguette. The, the baguette's the bread, right? Let's Okay, let's start this yeah. off. Um, okay. Those are kind of the big choices, right? Yes. Our big absolutely. choices for a long sandwich are sub, uh, which is short for submarine and not mm-hmm. Subway. Subway, though Subway has kind of become the Kleenex of sandwiches. A lot of times you think of a long sandwich and you're like, let's go get a Subway. Well, where do you want to go? That's Quiznos. True. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, or like Coke is in the South. Any soft drink sure. is a Coke. Yeah. Um, so but we've already dispelled that. We so have. What, you know, what sort of regional barriers are we going to break through on this one? Cause I certainly have a regional preference, but of course I, you do because I've, I've hoagie is, uh, is a specifically Philadelphia word. Yes, but I've I've avowed myself to be neutral in this and, oh. and get a good grip on what the proper name is because I understand that we're making this decision for all people who live in all regions. Yes. Um. So you're you. If you did not set that up, sorry, I was typing at the same time. I wanted to bring up this one page that had some great dates on it. Um. Uh, so if you didn't have a bias. Or if you didn't um, disregard your bias, if you were fully willing to play into it, do you personally call it a hoagie? I do. I'm sorry, do you I call do it a that. hoagie? I call it a hoagie. <laughs> <laughs> you can go down Wawa and get a hoagie. You can go to any dolly and get a hoagie. Oh, the Philly the accent is just hoagie. beautiful. It just I like that you think that. It just lands on the ears so beautifully. Yeah. You, you visited Philadelphia growing up, but you didn't live there. I never lived in Philly. No, I visited a lot growing up. Um, so you, did, you had the charm of the accent without living with it all the time. That's true. Though all of my relatives, uh, did, did your family refer to, pa- what do you use your family call paper towels? Um, we call them paper towels. Okay. Cause my whole family calls them towel paper. <laughs> what? Towel paper. Yeah. Is that just a my family thing? That's not a Philly thing. Well, I've never heard that before, but you know, Philly is is an area of so many neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. This like, was uh, in uh, Glenolden. Okay, I, apparently, like John is a huge Philly thing. Like that's my John, which I sort of knew. That but means that's realize. my toilet, right? Yeah, it means that's my toilet. <laughs> I, it, but it was one of those things where, like, I didn't really hear it a ton. I guess it was sort of part of the vernacular, but I didn't realize it was such a huge thing until later on. So it's possible people call it towel paper, although that just sounds like. Maybe like you had a relative generations back who was dyslexic, said it once, but what was like the matriarch or patriarch of the family, so nobody wanted to offend them. <laughs> yeah, we we were just being polite, and we're like, all right, I guess we're calling it towel paper now. That's where so many of these names come from, Mark. People yeah. are just being polite. My uh, my grandmother and grandfather used to do the coolest thing. They that I wish I could do now, but I. I don't have the willpower to not eat the whole thing in one big bite. Anytime I would visit my grandparents, they always had two things on the counter. Since we're talking sandwiches, they all, three things on the counter. They always had, um, they always had a loaf of, uh, you know, loaves of Italian bread, of course. Mm-hmm. 
they always had a full log of salami and a full <laughs> log of provolone <laughs> at all times. And I'm talking like a foot long log of salami and a log of provolone. And this was anytime you would go to anytime we would go to visit them, they would always make a sandwich for us immediately upon entering the room, <laughs> which I thought was awesome. The weird part was whenever they would come down from Philadelphia to visit us in Tennessee, my grandmother would pack the log of salami and the log of provolone in her luggage and they would bring it and they would set it out on the counter. And it was just salami and provolone sandwiches constantly, Um, which God bless my grandparents for that. That was the two things I remember them making. My grandmother would make those sandwiches all day long. And my grandfather, one one day of the trip, would always make pancakes. He would get up and he would do his special pancakes. That is a that is a great legacy. And yeah. definitely like I can see that and feel like, you know, they don't have salami and uh, and cheese like we are. The provolone we have in Philly is the best. So I'll just bring it down to Tennessee and throw it in a suitcase. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the pancakes were easier because it was my grandfather's secret recipe was just the Aunt Jemima box. <laughs> um, if, oh, if only he had... Uh, if only he had been cooking steadily in the age of the Bisquick shaker. Ooh. You ever had the, are those the best? Yeah, the Bisquick shaker. You just pour water in, shake it up, and you know what falls out? Pancakes. Liquid pancakes. <laughs> One time I, uh, <laughs> I had some friends over and I was like, we're going to make, this is, by the way, it sounds like I'm saying I was in high school. This was maybe like nine or 10 years ago. <laughs> No, it had to. Yeah, it was nine or ten years ago. Well, you, we've all determined already that you eat like a child. Yeah, of course, this is the ultimate. I I got a Bisquick shaker. I was like, I'm going to make chocolate chip pancakes, which I did. Now, the smart way to do this: pour the chocolate is, chips into the Bisquick shaker and shake it up. No, the smart way to do it is to put the chocolate chips on the pancakes while they're in the griddle when you first pour them out. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, I'll tell you what happens when you put them in that shaker. They all sink to the bottom and you don't get any chocolate <laughs> chips except for one pancake, which has every chocolate chip. It is just a it. chocolate. It's just a big brownie. Yeah. If it turns into a giant chocolate disc like you'd put in a fondue fountain. Ooh. You know it what? That sounds like, pretty delicious. Yeah. Who made this chocolate sewer lid? All right. So we're talking hoagie right now. Now let's. Are we? <laughs> yeah, uh, well, well, I'm get, trying to get us back to the topic because we have a bad habit of veering off topic, um, okay. or a good habit, depending. Uh, yeah. So the hoagie was uh, the name comes from a shipyard in outside Philadelphia called Hog Island. Yeah, uh, and the name comes from the the local deli proprietors would make these sandwiches for the guys that worked at Hog Island. Um, and they called them hoggies, which eventually, with that Philly accent, became hoagies. So that is a, a hoagie. Now, that first appeared in 1953 in the Philadelphia Evening Bulletin. But that story, if I'm not mistaken, was about the earlier part of the 20th century. Uh, World War One, right? The shipyard is a World War One sh- era shipyard. Okay. So sometime between World War One and 1953, when it was reported that they called them this – the name began. Now you've done a ton of research on this. I've done some research on this. I've looked into this. I take sandwiches very seriously. And we were supposed to record this uh, last night. I mean, it doesn't matter. People are listening to this almost a week uh, later, but we were supposed to record this last night. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got out. I was uh, doing a guest spot in Baby Geniuses, which was out 
uh, this past Monday. Awesome. Thank you, Travis and Andy, for having me on as part of the switcheroo. And I, I, we were supposed to record at 8, but the recording ran a little bit late. Uh, so by the time I called you, you said, uh, I, I've been watching a bunch of documentaries about uh, sandwiches. Is that what I sound like when I'm tired? That is exactly what you sound like when you're tired. <laughs> that is you to a T. But I, uh, but so we, we said it for tonight, but you've done a, a copious amount for us of research on this. So we're, so do you want to take this, go hoagies first and go each name and, and we'll just go through the history. I will of go, it, I will we'll go through them. the history of each of the names. Okay. So, so we have sort of the history of. The Hoagie. The Hoagie, and yes, began Hog Island sometime between World War One and 1953. Okay, so uh, how many different regions is it in? Is it called the Hoagie? I know it's called the Hoagie in, in Philadelphia area, Philadelphia, but in New Jersey as well, and and in Delaware, it's also a Hoagie. Well, in the which, yeah the the greater Philadelphia area, which <laughs> includes. <laughs> come on now, Hal! Don't try to make it sound like every state calls it a Hoagie. I feel like, like you're sending hoagie delegates to the National Sandwich Convention. <laughs> no. Oh, I would I would love to be a hoagie delegate at the National Sandwich. I bet you those giant banners I'd hold would be delicious. Ooh, right? Yeah. Don't eat the banner, Hal. Eat the sandwich depicted on the banner, not the actual picture of the sandwich. Can I put that on a bumper sticker? Sure. I don't have a car <laughs> anymore. Can I put it on my uh, soapbox? <laughs> Yes, you can. <laughs> um, so that's where the hoagie originated. Uh, the name hoagie originated in Philadelphia. Uh, but, it, but it is known around the country. It's not, it's not like anybody would, uh, like somebody in Nebraska would go, what's a hoagie? Like they've heard of that before, even if it's not what they call yeah, it. Yeah. Someone in Nebraska say? would say hoagie. That's what they call a sub in Philly, right? <laughs> um, this is breaking my heart. <laughs> now in New England, so I put this, uh, I spent the day hanging out with, uh, my roommate and her boyfriend and her family. It was a very long day at a hospital. Everyone's fine. It was all predetermined. So it's been a long day. I'm once again exhausted. Um, oh my goodness. But while we were just sitting in the waiting room, uh, I brought up to them, I said, Hey, uh, what do you guys call a foot long cold sandwich? And uh, one of the guys is from New England, and he was like, oh, you mean a grinder? Mm-hmm. So the name grinder is a very common New England name. Uh, there's, I don't know exactly the, the dates of the origin of this name, but uh, they call it that because the bread is thick and crusty, and uh, it's, you have to grind really your teeth into it to get a good bite. So that's where the name grinder came from. Um, there's, uh, some people call it a wedge. Uh, but that's only in Westchester County, New York and Fairfield County, Connecticut. Right. Um, in Cape Town, South Africa, it is called a Gatsby for reasons I do not know. Um, in New Orleans, it's called a po'boy, specifically now, in Louisiana. Now, this is, I realize, I know what you're going to say. Go ahead. That has a different filling inside. That is usually, uh, fried seafood that is inside mm-hmm. a po'boy. But this is, we're just talking, just, a little addendum to throw into the long sandwich uh, story. Uh, in the late 1920s in Louisiana, there was a strike and um, a local uh, deli or a sandwich provider. He was sympathetic to the strikers and he told his workers to go take some sandwiches down to the po' boys down there striking. So that's how the name po' boy came about. It was from still an, still an insult. Yeah. Right. Well, you know. He was, he was, no, it's, it's, it's not insulting so much as empathetic. 
Okay, so it was it was oh those poor boys. They wasn't say they don't have any money. Give them some free sandwiches. Yeah, it was those poor boys down there trying to fight against the uh, the big bad man. Do we know that for sure? Or are we Disneyfying the history of this to make it more palatable? Listen, I don't know what Disneyfy history means. I'm pretty sure that Pocahontas did live happily ever after. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that Kevin Klein caught Quasimodo as he was falling off the roof of Notre Dame. Yeah, um, and that Davy Crockett was not a miserable drunk and an absentee senator. Listen, as a Tennessean, how dare you? <laughs> you know what, Hal? Hoagie's you not a word. My, We're taking Hoagie yeah. off the plate. You already took it from me, Mark. You <laughs> took it from me and cut me deep. And and I'm not throwing it out yet. I don't think we should throw it away. We're we're just talking about options. All now, right. Um, the, yeah, the po' boy I would throw away just because it's a specific type of sandwich. That's even true. Even though it has an interesting I, history. It is an interesting history. I just wanted to throw it out there that I, I just thought that was a cool uh, – can I tell you another quick right. – uh, another brief history tale uh, about sandwiches that I think is kind of a fun story that I found in my uh, in my thing, in my uh, research? The, uh, I'll allow it. Thank you. The peanut butter and jelly sandwich, the humble peanut butter and jelly sandwich um, – The early 20th century, Wonder Bread was invented. There are people alive today, by the way, who are older than sliced bread. The phrase, the greatest thing since sliced bread, sliced bread happened in the late 1920s. Wonder Bread being one of the first, and Wonder Bread was one of the first to have preservatives in it. So Wonder Bread kept. You know what else kept? Peanut butter and jam and preserves. So during World War II... That's what uh, the U.S. government would give to the GIs. They would give them peanut butter and jelly sandwiches because the peanut butter provided the protein. The jelly provided um, the sugar rush that these guys needed to get through a day. Uh, like so many other things, at the end of World War II, when the GIs came home and started their families in the great baby boom, they brought with them from the war the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And that is why uh, Americans love PBJ sandwiches. There you go. The, those yeah. the things that the American soldiers brought home were PB and J, yeah. foreign children, mm-hmm. and the clap. Exactly. <laughs> Wasn't World War II great? Um, it really was. <laughs> now, uh, another term that is used for a long sandwich is mm-hmm. hero. I've heard them called heroes. Uh, yes. And I knew, I never knew where that name came from. Uh, turns out a food writer named Clementine Paddleford, who was uh, the food writer in all of the early 20th century for the New York Times, uh, or I'm sorry, the New York Herald Tribune. She wrote for a bunch of papers, but this one was attributed to the New York Herald Tribune. In one column, she wrote that uh, this sandwich and this, this particular deli, this long sandwich, uh, was so big that you would have to be a hero to eat the whole thing. So that that is where the name Hero came from. Clementine Paddleford, a very well-respected food writer, who also uh, has another great, great quote that I love. She said, don't grow a wishbone, daughter, where your backbone ought to be. Which I thought was a great line, you know. Oh, yeah. That's fantastic. I'm sorry she came up with that name for a sandwich, but... Uh... <laughs> Listen, shut up, Hoagie. <laughs> will you please call me Hoagie forever? <laughs> yes, I will. Um, (laughs) so this brings us to submarine or sub sub and submarine are the most widely used names for a long cold sandwich. Um, there's a couple different theories as to where it comes from. One is that, uh, it was named 
after uh, named after the submarines that were being made at a shipyard in Connecticut for World War II, and the sandwiches that the uh, the shipbuilders would buy resembled submarines, so they got this name submarine. The other uh, more the other earlier and probably more uh, reliable uh, description of this because it was written down somewhere. I'm not sure. I don't have absolutely everything. Uh, <laughs> but there was Surpri- wait. You haven't exhaustively researched every bit I, of man. I have, but trying to bring it all up in my brain after spending a whole day in a hospital and it's late and I've got a two liter of diet coke sitting next to me. Um, my brain isn't working entirely because it's filled with aspartame and hospital fumes. But um, <laughs> an Italian immigrant named Dominic Conti came to the United States and started a deli in 1910. Uh, he started Dominic Conti's grocery store in Patterson, New Jersey, which I think isn't that where Sinatra's from? Patterson, New Jersey? No, he's Hoboken. Hoboken. That's right. Yes. Um, and Dominic Conti created this sandwich. That uh, was a long Italian roll that he stuffed with cold cuts and uh, and he would put a, this is I think is cool. He would put a layer of cheese on the top and the bottom so that the bread would not get soggy. And he named this sandwich after the Finian Rom, which was a submarine that he saw in 1918 when he went to visit a museum. Uh, and he claimed that his sandwich uh, looked like this sub, which I've seen a pictures, uh, seen pictures of the Finian Rom, and it does resemble a big sandwich with propellers. Hold on, though. Hold on, hold on. What? This just seems like one of those stories that you go to that restaurant. I'm sure that Dominic Conti's grocery store, something similar to it, is still in Patterson. Mm-hmm. And you go there, and like his great grandson, who now is taking over the company as a marketing person, like they've concocted this story. You'd think to be the home of the sub or submarine is a huge deal. Do you have any proof, sir, uh, that I, this is a true story? I do not have. I do not have written proof. What I do have is multiple documentaries sourcing Dominic Conti as the originator of both the sandwich and the name submarine upon seeing the uh, Finian Rom in 1918. Where did you find all of these documentaries about sandwiches? Uh, It's amazing what you can find if you just Google video search history of the sandwich. I'll tell you this. I spent a lot of time learning about Lord Montague last night. The sixth or seventh Earl of Sandwich. They all like to bring that story up. Yes, the sandwich was invented by Montague, assuming that, you know, at the same time that he was inventing the sandwich, his son Romeo was off cavorting with a Capulet, and that started a whole family war. Yeah, and then they visited Dominic Conti's grocery store. Which is why it's the birthplace of Shakespeare as well. Do you only want to poke holes in this because you really want Hoagie to win? Here's the thing, Mark. I grew up with hoagies. (laughs) I went to Wawa and got a hoagie. The hoagie feels like a Philadelphia sandwich. In fact, I know for, I know that our, our former mayor, Ed Rendell, who also became the governor of the state of Pennsylvania, had it named as Philadelphia's official sandwich. That is true. So, it is named it is a, it is the official sandwich of Philadelphia. Do you know what it's not though? The name what? of a sandwich anywhere else in the United States. Here's the thing though, does it does it need to catch on and are we going to be the messengers of a new way to name a sandwich? 
this is an opportunity for us, Mark. And I know we're not we're not deciding just yet, but I just want to like before we throw it away because it's from one city. That sandwich is very uh, very closely identified with Philadelphia, and I don't know if the if the sub or the grinder or the wedge, if any of that is. Or the blimp, that's another name. Blimpy is, that's the reason why Blimpy is a popular sandwich chain. I don't know if any other city identifies with that type of sandwich, which, I mean, it's called a submarine type sandwich, so. Yes. Sub seems like the logical answer, but we, we're, we're the ones who decide here. We're the deciders. Yes, we are. And, uh, and while, yes, Hoagie is, there is no, there is nothing that evokes a, a city like Philadelphia more than the hoagie. There's nothing that evokes that sandwich more than calling it a sub. I don't want to hurt your feelings, Hal. I love you, brother. Look, you seem I, really uh, upset. I, <laughs> I just don't want to throw it out right away is all I'm saying. I know. I know, buddy. I know. But you know what? what? I grew up in Tennessee and mm-hmm. not everything Tennessee did was great. I'm willing to throw out the Confederate flag. There is no way that the word hoagie and the Confederate flag are anywhere near the same level. I'm the just hoagie saying. It's not a symbol of oppression and hatred. No, it's, it's one town's name for a sandwich. The Eagles suck. <laughs> it's called a sub. Oh, look, I can't argue that the Eagles are terrible this year. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't mean to bring that up. You know, look, you know, it's I, early in the, the, the season. Bears are we're not going to talk sports. We're, Look, we're not yeah, going to talk football. Sports. We're we're not talking sports. No, that we're was the episode that it. we scrapped. Yeah, we scrapped sports. We'll come back to it we'll someday. It's not it. can't be over. So no. what about like let's eliminate some of these, right? Like the blimp. Can we throw that out? Uh, yeah, blimp is uh the blimp is uh f- is from the food chain um the blimpy. So it's a corporate name. We'll throw that out. But it's also been called a Zeppelin or a Zep. That's another Philadelphia area name. I think like Norristown calls it that. Uh, and further uh, up northeastern Pennsylvania, Zeppelin's a name. And I'm sure there are other areas that, that call it that. But it's like if there's anything that's round and tubular and a form of transportation, like somewhere must call it like a bobsled, right? Wait. We have a bobsled sandwich. Just anything that's round <laughs> oh, and long. It took me a second to uh, to figure out where you were connecting that. You know what? Screw it. We're going to call them bobsleds now. Yeah, why not call it uh, a squid like mid-stroke when it's swimming? Yeah, I mean, because that's you might also as, the shape of the sandwich. You might as well just call it a hoagie if that's the case. Listen, we're not throwing hoagie out yet. I'm holding on to that. All right, nice um, try. How long are you going to hold on to hoagie until we can just say that submarine or sub is the correct one? Well, I'm going to hold on to it until I no longer draw breath. So let's talk right. about. Hold on a second. Let's let's yeah. w- let me see if if this helps. Why don't we, uh, why don't we cut now to some great advertisements for some other great shows that you will hear here on the Maximum Fun Network? Now that I can get behind. Great. Hello, buddies. I'm Travis McRoy. And I'm Andy Bolt. And we're the host of Bunker Buddies. We're a podcast where we're amateur survivalists and we talk about things like the apocalypse. And we talk about zombies and preparedness. What are you going to wear when it's the apocalypse? And you have no idea if you don't listen to our show. It comes out every Wednesdays on MaximumFun.org and on iTunes. Sometimes we try weird foods or we talk about where to camp or how to avoid getting eaten or any of these things. Yeah, so listen to us because it might just save your life. We'll see you in the bunker. Bye. Baby geniuses. 
Hi, I'm Lisa Hannawalt. And I'm Emily Heller. And if you're not listening to our podcast, Baby Geniuses, you're missing out on stuff like... Camille Nanjiani solving the Zodiac murders. Uh, who's like... Would you ever go to a friend and you're like, Hey, could you lick all these, lick all these <laughs> envelopes for me? You'd be like, you're a serial killer. <laughs> I'm, definitely, I'm leaving right now. Guy Branham talking about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Um, and it was, it was just a great moment of like, Oh no, I'm here, boys. Like, I'm on this side of the bench... Megan Amram talking about intimidating baristas. Just feel like they're always in character. Like, they're always in character as, like, cool hipster girl. Uh And I just want to break through that barrier. Plus, every week we explore a new Wikipedia page and talk to a crazy expert in the field of nonsense. Well, any any hack can make you not have a boner i mean that's it's about how you do it right you know? and we're the only podcast with regular updates about martha stewart's pony or your money back we're not going to give them their money back are we mm, no let's keep it yeah listen to our show every other monday on maximum fun yay yay okay and we're back don't those that shows sound me. great please I don't do turn them better. on until you're finished listening to this one yeah, but I feel better. I feel better listening to uh, promos for funny shows that are on our great network. Good. That does make you feel better. I'm still not letting go of hoagies, but oh. let's talk about the wedge. The wedge. Uh, I don't. I, I think like if you're gonna name a sandwich for how it's cut, mm-hmm. which is really like it's either that or that they wedge stuff in there. That just feels like a lazy sandwich naming. Yes, but I will say that uh, where the wedge is popular, uh, Westchester County, New York, Fairfield mm-hmm. County, Connecticut, uh, they do cut them on a bias. And I like that. I like a bias cut sandwich. Bias meaning cut at an angle and not just straight down the middle. So you have two equal logs. You have this, you know, sort of sharp edge down one side. I like that in a sandwich. I think it's fun. It makes it easier to get to the good stuff without, you know, breaking your teeth on bread. Um you love – I mean, you can't have an uncut uh, hoagie or sub. So you do need a cut. I like the bias cut too. I like to have a corner to to start with. Now, when you cut a regular sandwich though, do you need to have it cut diagonal or do you like it cut long ways or do you not like it cut at all? Growing up, a sliced bread sandwich, you know, like a like a regular, you know, sandwich like that you would get packing a lunch. I always yeah. liked it. My mom about, I think it was about sixth grade. She started cutting them diagonally. Previously, mm-hmm. she had cut them right down the middle into two little rectangles. And I loved that. That seemed yeah. exactly the right size and way to eat. But um the diagonal cut looks fancier. Uh My mom is about presentation with her food. My mom's an excellent cook, though it doesn't yes. take much to cook a, uh, to make a sandwich doesn't take but much you can cooking. mess up a, like a peanut butter and jelly can be messed up very easily by either too much jelly or not enough jelly sure and some people think it's a great idea to put peanut butter on both sides so that mm. the jelly doesn't soak into the bread but then the jelly just squirts out the back of it that's exactly right but now, we're not talking about peanut butter and jelly sandwiches we're talking about submarine sandwiches well, hold on for a second i just wanted to point out uh, uh, something and, and i actually don't mind this I mean, I, I, a long sandwich like that, I have to have cut in the middle. I prefer a bias cut. I don't mind if it's cut long ways mm-hmm. just because that's, uh, I, you know, cheesesteaks being another one of the chief sandwiches that were around when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Those were always cut uh, in a straight line and not in a bias cut. But um, for for a sliced bread sandwich, I used to like the crisscross cut. So cut diagonally, cut diagonally again. Oh, like it's a four uh, sandwiches. You get four <laughs> sandwiches out of that, like a club sandwich. Yeah, but but now and and even as a child like, later on, I like 
no cut in my sandwich. Is that I, is that I just like laziness? Like no, I don't I, have the. T- I, I don't like feel it. like washing a knife. No, I'm an adult and I know how to eat a sandwich. I don't need it cut in half for me. That almost feels like, all right, dummy. If I give you this whole sandwich, you're probably going to choke on it trying to shove the whole thing in your mouth. But if I cut it in half, you'll understand it needs to be devoured in sections. Like I know – even if you – give me like a triple-decker sandwich, pile it to the sky. I still prefer not to cut it. If I make a sandwich at home, I don't cut it. Yeah, I don't – I rarely cut them at home unless I did a particularly good job of layering on the inside and I want to see it. Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? If I've done like, if I've got like the lettuce and the tomato just right and I've got the, and I'll do, sometimes I like, I'll do, I'll roll up the cold cuts on the inside, like in the picture. Like, you know, I am obsessed with making my food look like it looks in a picture, right? Abs- I sure I do. I do. Um, very much so. Uh, and I would, so I, that, that, if I got that just right, I would want to look at that. So I would slice it. Let me ask you another question. Um, Go ahead. We'll get back to the long, cold sandwich in a moment. You're yeah. from a city that is – look, let's disregard the hoagie for a moment. I understand that Ed Rendell called it the the sandwich of Philadelphia. To me, the sandwich of Philadelphia is a hot sandwich. We each have our cities that we have lived in's favorite hot sandwich. And yes. boy, do I love a Philly cheesesteak. Yes. How do you do your Philly cheesesteak? Do you like it sliced or chopped? Do you like it with, uh, without? What do you like? Okay, so uh, just for the people listening, the slice versus chop refers to the meat. So there are two different ways. Usually working with a really like like a lower grade cut of meat. Um, I forget if it's the round or like a rib. Well, it's I Philadelphia. Exactly what it is. But yeah, you. How dare you? you <laughs> it's always thinly sliced, but you either grill it up thinly sliced like that and don't separate it. So it lays in, in those layers in the sandwich or you chop it up. Now, the two most famous that most people know of of the chop versus the not versus the uh, just sort of the sliced meat is Pat's and Gino's. Pat's chops their meat. Gino's does not. So uh, and then you when you order, you order it. You say the type of cheese you want and then you say wit or without. Now, that refers to by the way, the word is onions. with not in Philly. It's not you <laughs> want to order that sandwich. You better say wit because we don't know how to speak. English and this is and this is from. with real cheese. It's either cheese whiz or provolone. Those are the two that I think are acceptable. Some people like American cheese. I mean, you can really put any cheese you want on there, but my father prefers provolone. I prefer uh, whiz because I already know I'm getting an unhealthy sandwich. We might as well jump in with yeah. both feet. And do so you do I, it? Do you do it chopped? Do you go to Pat's or uh, Gino's? I don't go to. I don't go to either. I've been to both. They're both. It's hard to get a bad cheesesteak in Philly, but my favorite. Uh, is Jim Steaks in particular the Jim Steaks at Fourth and South? I've been to Jim Steaks. It's, I like Jim's. it's an iconic place. Yeah, you actually order downstairs and then you mm-hmm. eat upstairs. And I uh, two years ago does Jim's chop it? Jim's does chop it. Yeah, Jim's. I get a, I get whiz without. That's what I like. And uh, not this past year, but the winter. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Whiz without. What's the without part? I thought the wit or without was the whiz. It was the grilled onions. Oh, that this is so confusing. <laughs> Don't worry. There's always a sign in a pl- in in a cheesesteak place that tell- helps you order. That helps us tourists. Yeah, and the reason why is they're trying to turn over the line so quickly that if you don't know – like I remember taking Jennifer there the first time. Mm-hmm. And Jennifer is 
Uh, sometimes she takes a second to figure out what she wants. She wants to look at all the options. She might have a question, but I had to prime her walking through the line and go, you've got to figure out what you want. I'm going to explain everything to you. They don't do these things. So don't ask them. If it's not on the menu, they don't have it. And they'll, they, I've seen them yell at people like, They'll be like, do you have a veggie uh, steak? Like, does it look like we have veggie? Look at the sign. (laughs) Oh, so people in Philly are pleasant in customer service roles. (laughs) Always. Uh, I have a hoagie story for you later. Don't don't let me forget it. But uh, when I – the first show I did in Philadelphia with the Night Vale crew, Mm -hmm. afterwards we went – it was literally across the street from Jim's. So afterwards we all went over there together and I got to take – uh, Jeffrey and Joseph and Cecil which, by the way, the Welcome to Night Vale crew is filled with vegans. Yes, so <laughs> not everybody ate there, but we hung out. Sure, and we all had cheesesteaks together, and uh, they got high praise from the meat-eating members of the Welcome to Night Vale crew. Yeah, the, uh, the Philly cheesesteak is a delicious sandwich. Um, it is. The Chicago beef is my favorite. Delicious. I love a Philly. Chicago beef, for those of you who don't know, this is how you make a Chicago beef sandwich. You have a big vat of, uh, au jus or jus, um, yeah. that is spiced Italian broth. And you get a big roll, big, uh, like, like you would put a sub on or a hoagie. Um, and <laughs> you get Italian beef and you dunk the Italian beef, uh, or a sliced beef, roast beef, you dunk the roast beef into this, uh, hot broth. Then you put the beef into this roll. You top it with, uh, sliced marinated sweet peppers, which are great big, uh, bell peppers that have been marinated and are delicious. Uh, a little bit of jardinera on the side. You put that on at the end. Uh, for those who don't know jardinera, it's basically a bunch of pickled vegetables all chopped up in a jar. It's in any Italian kitchen and any Chicago kitchen. Uh, then you take the whole sandwich, bread and all, and dunk the whole damn thing into that jus. Uh, and you have to eat it. No kidding. Uh, Chicago restaurant, Chicago sandwich places, they don't really have tables. They have leaning counters. Mm-hmm. And you stand up over a leaning counter and you eat this dripping sandwich. And whatever falls and lands in the basket, you can either eat with a fork or drink with a straw. And they are <laughs> so good. Um, yeah. So, so that's, that's put on a submarine roll. Would you call that a sub? I would not call that a sub. No, because we're talking cold sandwiches. A sub is a cold cut sandwich. So what about a meatball sandwich? Because I've heard that, that the, you know, when you have a hot meatball with marinara and cheese on top, I've heard that called a meatball hoagie. I've heard it called a meatball sub. I've heard it called a meatball sandwich. Are we going to say that whatever our decision is will encompass at least that hot sandwich? Uh, you know what? Just because I have heard – I've never heard meatball hoagie, but I've heard meatball sub <laughs> a million times. You just blocked it out. Uh <laughs> You're really sticking to this, aren't you? Um, I, you know what? I would, I would go ahead and call that a sub, even though it is hot. And because that is, I will give that because that is an homage to the Italian American people who were the inventors of this original sandwich. The sandwich goes back to the old country where scraps of meat, uh, and salami and cheese would be just crammed into a roll and eaten. Um, and that's what was brought here and perfected and cleaned up and tidied up and made into a nice package in the United States uh, among the Italian American communities. So meatballs are Italian. Submarines are Italian. I will call that a meatball sub. Um, Hal. Yes. Listen. Go ahead. If I am willing to concede that the best 
hot sandwich is a Philly cheesesteak. Mm-hmm. A good Philly cheesesteak. Mm. Would you finally be willing to concede that a long cold sandwich outside of Philadelphia, where I'm sure calling it a hoagie is a blessed tradition mm-hmm. to the world, mm-hmm. that sandwich is officially called a submarine or a sub sandwich? Let me say two things. One, <laughs> don't think I don't know what you're trying to do. What am I Bargaining, trying to do? Trying to bargain with me to, you're trying to throw out a scrap hoping I'll chase it. First of all, I do that, Philly cheesesteak you... is not a scrap, even though the meat might be. <laughs> it is scrap meat. Oh, it's so delicious. Oh, what else do you people That's eat? Scrapple? Oh, yeah, scrapple is, uh, <laughs> scrapple is like the parts of a pig that nobody should eat. Yeah. Formed into a spam-like loaf. Yeah. I don't eat Scrapple personally. I actually enjoy Scrapple. My dad will make it uh, for breakfast. Don't try to <laughs> distract me, Mark. <laughs> I see what you're doing. You're you're like uh, an illusionist, and you're waving and waving your left hand, hoping that I'll be entranced by it. Meanwhile, We're recording this remotely. The word sub out of a hat. I know what you're doing. I know this trick. I'm not going to fall for it. Not just yet. Number two. Let me ask you this about, about subs, about these kind of sandwiches. Do you feel like- I'm sorry, what'd you just call them? Like, a, I'm tell, I'm, I'm conceding your sub for a second here. Okay. Assuming that's the name. Do you feel like it has to be specifically dressed? By which I mean, regardless of the meat, you shouldn't put X, Y, or Z on it. No, I don't. Um. You think, you think there is a, you think there is a, it's, you think it's open to interpretation or you think it's, Set what you can put on it. Look, absolutely it's open to interpretation. The culinary world is, is so much fun just because of interpretation. I mean, there's a show on Food Network now. A guy just makes sandwiches. That's all he does. He's a sandwich guy. Um, like, I, I love different interpretations of sandwich, but a long baguette roll or loaf or whatever you want to call it. Roll, I guess, right? Or is a roll just a round? Anyway. I call, I'd call it a roll. Right. I call it a, uh, I call it a hoagie roll. That's what a, we call it. A submarine shaped roll, uh, uh-huh. um, stuffed with meat and cheese. Uh, in any, and anything else that might go in there. Lettuce, tomato. Uh, the original at Conti's was lettuce, tomato, onions, uh, olive oil and vinegar, salt and pepper. That was Conti's. But, uh, it hasn't really changed much. But Mark. But what now? Did you hear that sound? Just what now? was that sound? That was you falling into my trap. What was your trap? You, sir, just said that you can put whatever you want on these sandwiches, but I offer you that the hoagie yeah. in Philadelphia is a sacred sandwich, and I will give you proof. Uh, in, in college or just out of college, uh, one of my very best friends and college roommate came to visit, mm-hmm. and we went to a local restaurant where he ordered a hoagie, mm-hmm. and I think he may have called it like a – he's from Pittsburgh – so he might have called it like a sub or a grinder or something like that. And gr- the grinder we can throw out because not every roll is 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 crisp and crunchy. So okay, grinder, get out of my face. So boy, he you're getting orders, mad about this one. I love the ones he, when you get mad. He orders whatever it is, like a turkey or or a ham hoagie, and it comes with lettuce, tomato, onions, um, oil and vinegar, salt and pepper, mm-hmm. and cheese. 
like yeah. the normal what what would like a submarine this? sandwich invented by Dominic Conti in 1918. Uh-huh. And he goes to put I think like ketchup on it or mayo or something and I'm sitting there I'm sitting there and in my head I'm thinking what are you doing to this beautiful sandwich? Why would you get this beautiful sandwich and put that on it? And and I was about to say something when from the next table over, a complete stranger goes, hey, what are you doing to that hoagie? You don't put Ugh. mayo on a hoagie. You only put oil and vinegar on there. You can maybe put some mustard on there if you want, but you don't put mayo on. Hey, look at this guy. He's putting mayo on his hoagie. Like, well, complete stranger. We care about this sandwich. No, that complete stranger was an a-hole. <laughs> he was a Philadelphian. <laughs> there is no difference. I get it. We are crude people, and I love us. Oh, I love you guys, too. Most of my family, or the, my entire dad's side of my family, is all from Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? The sandwich isn't. You guys decided to call it a hoagie. Fine. Let that be a Philadelphia thing. Let that be some form of city pride for you. But don't try to bring your hoaginess to the rest of the world who wants to call the sandwich a submarine because it looks like a submarine. Let your Philly pride keep hoagie a Philadelphia thing, Hal. Oh, this is just painful. I hope the people who are listening right now understand the pain that I'm feeling. This is, this is horrendous. Yeah. The listeners in Philadelphia do. <laughs> I'll bet you we're going to discover an enclave of people around the country who call it hoagies who are not from Philadelphia. That's just what they call it in different areas. I'll bet you we could, I wish that we had that website like we had for the, the soda versus pop versus Coke, where it shows a heat map of all the different areas and what they call their sandwiches. You know what, Hal, for your sake, I'm glad we don't, because I think you would go to bed depressed tonight. <laughs> There's no avoiding that, no matter what we decide. Now, all right, are you saying we're ready to make a decision? I've been ready to make a decision for like 45 minutes. <sighs> all right, go ahead, Mark, you say it. It's going to be too painful for me. People of the world. You can take your grinders and set them aside. Take your heroes and reserve them for comic books. Take your po' boys and go let them fight their strike against the, uh, against the evil corporation. Take your Gatsby from Cape Town, South Africa and leave it there. Take your blimpy and send it back to the blimpy store where you got it, where the only place <laughs> they call it is blimp is the <laughs> restaurant blimpy. Get rid of that wedge. Wedges are shoes, not sandwiches. <laughs> and for the love of God, let the word hoagie live in Philadelphia where it belongs. Because the rest of the country, nay, the rest of the world. And you know what? Now that this is officially, uh, has been officially declared, Philadelphia as well. Sorry, Ed Rendell. Sorry, citizens of Philadelphia. Sorry, Rocky. Mm -hmm. This sandwich is a submarine or sub sandwich. Ugh. 
You okay? Well, there you go. You okay, Hal? Everybody. Yeah, I'm fine. That's great. I'm glad that we call it a sub. But you know what? Uh, all you people out there that immediately jump down our throats when we release a new episode, I am going to honor and respect our decision because we are the foremost authority on whatever it is we're discussing in any given week. Amen. So follow my example, America and denizens of the internet. Enjoy your subs. Go get a cold sub. And you know Go what? Get a hot sub. Hey, you know, how? How? What? How? You know, it's going to make you feel better. A sub. Yes. <laughs> and also, there's a lot more topics out there that we can discuss. You know what? You're right. And we want to hear those topics from you. So come see us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash we got this podcast. Or come see us on Twitter at we got this tweets. Or you can email us at we got this podcast at gmail.com. Or, or, you know what? Drop I, it uh, on him, Hal. Drop it on I him. I recently discovered the Maximum Fun Reddit. It's, it's reddit.com forward slash r forward slash Maximum Fun. And it's a collection of people who listen to the various podcasts discussing them. And it's also uh, the hosts of said podcasts getting in and, and talking with the people who listen and give feedback. And we've had some really nice people uh, who have come and carried the conversations on from the episodes we've done. And, and we love that. So if you have a suggestion there, uh, I will I will personally have started a We Got This suggestion thread on Reddit. Feel free to pop in there. I will check it at least once a week, uh, and we'll pull, we'll pull people off there, and, and you'll be a part of uh, We Got This and Maximum Fun history. Yes. And is this episode going to air before October 11th? It sure is. Where are we going to be October 11th, Mark? October 11th. We are going to be performing We Got This live. We're going to do a live episode at Le Poisson Rouge in uh, Manhattan, New York, United States, Earth. Uh, and our, uh, our esteemed guest star will be one of our dear friends and maximum fun mentors and co-hosts, Judge John Hodgman. Who else, who better to make a decision than a judge? And John Hodgman will be joining us. So please come check out the show. We would love to have you there. And you can yell at us afterwards for episodes that you disagreed with us on. Um, Hal will probably be backstage yelling at me for this whole hoagie thing for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never be able to shake the anger. Uh, we've got a great opening act. It's Carter Parton Rogers. Oh, Carter Parton Rogers, who performed with us in, uh, in Atlanta and killed yes. it in front of oh, a thousand people. So funny. Um, but if you want tickets, there are still tickets available. You can go to NewYorkSuperWeek.com, uh, and you can get all the information there. Uh, or you can go to our Facebook page. We've got an event posted. It has all the information there as well. But uh, still tickets available. We would love to see you there. Yeah. And uh, thanks, as always, to Ken Plume, our uh, our fantastic editor who puts together the show and makes it sound beautiful for you. Yes. And thank you to Uri Kelman, who designed our awesome logo. And thank you to our musicians, Jonathan Dinerstein for the score and Mike Furman for our beautiful opening song. Yes, and for those of you who enjoyed Furman's episode, which we did as well, uh, we will definitely have him back. But we are also looking forward to, and this will be the first that uh, John has heard of it, we want to have John on at some point, too, to talk about film scores. Oh, won't that be awesome? Yes. So I believe that just leaves us to say, go ahead, Hal. For Mark Gagliardi, I'm Hal Lublin. And for Hoagie, I'm Mark Gagliardi. And don't worry, everyone. We We got got this. this. We got this. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. 
Artist owned. Listener supported.